Welcome to Bench Reactions, an NBA podcast brought to you by the Driving Crooner. You got to be right next to me for it to look real. <laughs> got to find a way to make money on this. We got to find a way to make money on royalties. This. All right. I'm your host, Patrick Hervey, and I'm joined today by some guys that love playing around on egggame.org. Jason Lamprecht, Chase Baker, Zach Burnham, and Dan Lyons. We got the whole crew here today. What's up, guys? A little bit at work. <laughs> just, just a little bit. Listen to a little uh, bit of podcast oh, at man. work. <laughs> some people listen to a lot of podcasts at work. Just saying. I, All right. On I today's think I'm episode. I'm the best at this. I'm doing the best of this. On today's episode, we are diving into some recent NBA news. We're going to give our analysis of the finals up to this point uh, and obviously moving forward. And finally, we will wrap up with Zach's Mud Pie moment of the week. All right, guys, let's jump into uh, some NBA news. We have quite the coaching carousel happening right now. So I want to run through the recent uh, recent hires here, and then we can dive into um, – you know, wherever you guys want to go first. So Milwaukee recently hired Adrian Griffin to be their head coach. Philly uh, went with Nick Nurse, Phoenix, Frank Vogel, Houston, Ime Adoka, and then Detroit, Monty Williams, who got paid a dump truck full of Scrooge McDuck money to go coach in Detroit. And then Toronto is currently the only team that hasn't hired a new coach yet. Um, Where do you guys want to dive in first? Obviously a lot to unpack here. Uh, I say we start with Adrian Griffin because I think that one was the most uh, interesting choice. I don't know. I'd like to hear people's thoughts on what they think about him for the Bucks. I feel like I don't know I anything see. about him. <laughs> Same. I'll, I'll tell you a little bit on, about him. I did a little bit of research. Um, uh, no, he. Uh, not the legal stuff, He's... hopefully, right? <laughs> no, not the legal <laughs> okay. stuff. All right, all right. So he is both a former Tibbs protege of five years and a former Nick nurse protege. That's where he's coming from as I think he was an assistant coach with the Raptors. And I think that's uh, interesting for Milwaukee's purposes because Giannis has gotten used to playing like, you know, 32 minutes a night, even in playoff games for a while. And I feel like that might change if Adrian Griffin has taken anything from his coaching tree. Um, we might see some like 40 minute Giannis, but yeah, I, I would guess he's probably a pretty decent defensive coach kind of based on that pedigree and obviously the bucks like had their choice like they were the first domino right like so so the fact that they had their choice of everybody and and did that kind of exhaustive search that zach Lowe talked about and settled on him is is a a ringing endorsement but it's kind of wild to hire a first-time head coach at such like a huge juncture for a franchise like there was news yesterday that they, I mean, I, great points, Jay. I, I, I saw that they hired Terry Stotts as their lead assistant, which is interesting. So he's a first time, obviously Griffin is a first time head coach, but Stotts has been around the block, uh, been around the block. And I would say a, a, a pretty strong offensive mind. So if Griffin's a, a Tibbs protege combined with Nick Nurse combined with Terry Stotts, I, I'm excited to see what that looks like. Cause obviously the, the bucks have a, a ton of potential and, honestly probably should have won the title this year so yeah i was i was very interested that they went with a rookie head coach now he's been assistant for 15 years so like he obviously has a lot of experience in the pedigree uh i really thought the bucks would go harder after monty i'm wondering if maybe they did 
but then Detroit just came in with that massive, massive offer and totally blew the Bucks out of the water. Uh, but I do like what you said, Pat, the combination of Griffin and Stotts, because what worried me most was that Griffin would be a really good defensive coach, but the Bucks are already very good defensively. And what has bogged them down a little bit, granted, you know, Giannis was hurt in the playoffs and everything, but it's their offense. They can be stagnant and too reliant on, on isolations and stuff. So I wanted to see someone brought in who could actually sort of uh, strategize a little bit more and put more, more movement on the floor. I wonder if Stotts can do that. He showed that with the Blazers for all those years. Really good offensive teams, not very good defensively. So I wonder if the mind meld between those two will work out well. Yeah, Milwaukee's offense, their half-court offense has kind of always been not great. I feel like even the year they won the title, I don't, I don't think it was some you know electric, high-motion offense. It's a lot of isolations. It's a lot of dump the ball off to Giannis, and obviously that's a typically a pretty productive thing to do but I think we saw this year and honestly probably last year too that they need a little bit more creativity with their offense especially when you have Giannis who's a cheat code I just think there's so much they can do in the half court and I'm again to your point really excited to see what those two can do those two minds can do together where do we want to jump next I I do want to throw out I thought it was pretty funny that uh, there were multiple reports of first off in Milwaukee Nick Nurse apparently pulled out of the race and then I thought in Phoenix, it was pretty funny that uh, that Doc Rivers, you know, basically right when the announcement went out that Frank Vogel got the job was like, oh, yeah, no, I, I pull out too. I'm out. I don't I don't <laughs> I don't actually want this job. What? What? You guys wanted to hire me for this job? What? Um, I was. So I, I guess let's head over to Phoenix. I was a, a little bit surprised at the Vogel uh, hiring just because I don't feel like there were any reports whatsoever of him being in the running. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh. Frank Vogel, Frank Vogel is going to Phoenix. I do think it's a great hire. I think that he'll be great for KD and Booker. I think, Zach, you brought this up on our text thread. My biggest concern with that team is is their roster, probably more so than the coach. So if they can get some solid rotation pieces and some role guys, I, I think we're in business with, uh, with Frankie V. I think the real question is whether Vogel could be the Aiton whisperer. Granted, Aiden may be one of the pieces used to upgrade the roster, but if he is not, if if they can find a new coach that can get through to Aiden, because there's obviously a lot of reports and rumors that he and Monty were not in a good place, and that's where a lot of the chemistry issues were, uh, especially if he can help, because Vogel's a very good defensive coach as well, just like we assume Griffin will be. And if he can get through to Aiden on the defensive end, I think that's where Aiden steps up, because he's already... Pretty good offensively, especially from that mid-range, high post area. Uh, and I think he can probably be an 18 to 20 point a game scorer, and that's what he's going to give you, and that's probably his ceiling. But if he can raise his defensive ceiling, all of a sudden he becomes an all-star caliber player and a, a, a legitimate third guy on that team. Uh, I haven't given up all hope in him. I've lost a lot this year, specifically in these playoffs, but uh, I, I still think there's some potential there to improve his game. I'm going to jump in and uh and vouch for an uh, nba champion a uh, frank vogel for a second here we know we know um, it's coming <laughs> there it is <laughs> great hire great hire welcome back to the pacific division frank it's where you belong um frank here's the thing uh, what i like about this is that frank is not the guy i think we saw this in orlando he's not the guy to bring in if you like need to like create a culture or like motivate guys or like get, you know, kind of like raise guys up. He's the guy to bring in when you already have adults in the room. Like 
when you have when you're when your leaders are your stars when they're when you have veteran players who have already made it Vogel's the kind of come in he's not going to be like a loud voice culture wise but he's he's super competent he has no ego dealing with superstars and he's he's like a really like just direct kind of like humble communicator and he's just going to like get the job done like tactically and when it comes to rotations and stuff so like I I like that with that it kind of like puts it puts the onus on Katie and Booker to be like, look, Frank's not going to come in the locker room and yell at people. Like he's not going to yell at DeAndre Ayton. Like you guys got to do that. And Frank's going to give you the tools to be successful if you do do that. And if it doesn't work, then it's kind of one more thing on the, I feel like on the KD resume where it's like KD's not necessarily a leader. And if it does work, then, uh, then great. Be excited for him. What do you say, Dan? Does KD have a, a leader of men, a Dan Lyons leader of men trophy? Not yet. Not yet. Kevin Kevin just wants to hoop, right? He just wants to he just wants to get out there and hoop. He doesn't want to talk to anybody. He doesn't want to whisper in anybody's ear. He just wants to get out there and get buckets, which is what he does. But also that's sort of been the hallmark of of like a lot of his career, right? Even dating back to OKC and everything with him and Russ, right? Like and part of part of being a leader is getting the most like out of your team. And I think it, honestly, at this point, I think Katie is who he is. And so like, I don't know, is book like going to step up and be like that vocal, like I'm going to get everything out of there. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see uh, how, how it shapes up. Cause I really don't know like who, who the leaders, maybe, maybe it is CP, but you know, he's playing with one and 0.25 legs at this point. So I don't know. That, that I forgot he was on the team. <laughs> Legit well, forgot he's on the team. Yeah, it's, it's, it's Chris Paul slowly sips, slipping away, kind of little by little from relevance. Right, that one and a half legs is probably going to turn into like one point two five, one and a quarter legs at the end of this season. And with how close he was with Monty uh, Williams, right, their relationship dating years and years back, with him being ousted, right, like my eyes are on CP three to see how much he steps up to be that de facto leader with him. Uh, essentially being the one with the most leadership experience on that roster, right? Is he going to feel the same amount of ownership being a leader on that team with Monty gone now and with Frank being like, uh, like you just mentioned, Jay, like less tactical, more like, hey, you know what? Frank comes from, you know, getting having a championship with guys like Braun and uh, the brow Anthony Davis uh, running things where again he didn't need to be vocal because Braun and uh, Anthony Davis were very clearly in charge of that Lakers team right but with this Lakers team like is it KD and Booker like it doesn't feel that way uh, hearing those words come out of my mouth so it depends on I think it depends on how bought in Chris Paul feels like he wants to be this season uh, with the new uh, ownership, with the new coach, I honestly assume Chris Paul will not be on the team. Like his his contract is like half non guaranteed. Um, that's the easiest way for them to upgrade. I think I, I'm assuming he won't be there. That that's kind of my my take. I want to go back to something you said, Jay, about Frank specifically. That he he's kind of good at coming in when the culture is already established and being an X's and O's guys guy and taking teams from you know, good to great potentially. That's why I think this Monty hire in Detroit is is such a good one. Um, granted, they, they're they paying him an insane amount of money. He's going to be the highest paid coach in the entire NBA. His contract, what was, I think, five years, $78.5 million. Um, but 
I think he's the type of coach that can come in and build a, a culture. Not saying that Detroit doesn't have that, but they're a very young team. I think he is, you know, putting the eight and situation aside, I think he's a great motivator, uh, leader of men, to Dan's point. Um, and so I, I'm guessing that's the reason why Detroit was after him so hard. I actually don't think, despite his recent playoff success in, in Phoenix, I think Monty is more of a taking a team from being terrible to good versus taking a team from good to elite. Can't agree more. I'm 1 billion percent bought in on this. Like if this doesn't work, never listen to anything I say again. Not like championship. <laughs> well, we, I never listened to you anyway, honestly. <laughs> Not like championship, but like, but like about that. bad to good, bad to good. If that's why Monty took this deal outside of, of course, the money, I mean, who's not going to take that deal? That shows some pretty uh, impressive self-awareness because I would have, have assumed that he sees himself in that tier of like, I want to go win championships. But if he legitimately was like, I see Detroit, I see these young guys, I want to build them, I want to build this team, <laughs> knowing that, you know, maybe he doesn't ever lead them to a championship or he just, you know, he takes them from bad to good and then someone else comes in and replaces him or something. Because I, I was honestly shocked, not only by the money, uh, but that that Detroit was going for it. not that they not that Detroit was going for him, but that Monty was interested. Because I mean, he's talked about in that upper echelon, upper tier slash echelon. Ah, uh, yes, the echelon. Um, I like combi combining him is great. Echelon, new word. Yeah, yeah. is that the new Tesla? <laughs> Trademark it. That's the echelon. That's the echelon. Echelon three point He's he's in that he's in that upper echelon of coaches. He's viewed in that way by the media, by players players and and personnel around the league. So I, I really thought he was going to go somewhere like Philadelphia or Milwaukee, where he thinks he thought he could win. Honestly, I was surprised he was out in Phoenix. I thought, I mean, obviously they left earlier than people expected them to, but now that we're seeing how good the Nuggets are, it's sort of, we should have expected it, you know? Maybe Phoenix should have waited just a little bit longer. I don't know. Frank is a really good coach. I think he, he and Monty are probably in that same tier. So I don't there's think some Phoenix weird got Ishbia worse. stuff, man. Like there's some weird Ishbia stuff going around. Like yeah. the whole it Kevin could, Young be a new owner rumor and then he didn't get the job, but then they just made him like the highest paid assistant in the league, obviously the KD thing, I know we've talked about this, you do that 10, 10 times out of 10, but all the stuff that he threw in and the fact that like Phoenix was being a lot more conservative about that and then he comes in and like two hours after buying the team, he makes that trade and throws in basically everything that they had from a, a wing depth perspective. Um, I don't know. I, I I hope that Frank isn't going into a, a shiz storm, um, but... You know he's gonna have KD and Booker on his team, so I think we'll be okay. Just one last point on on Phoenix. I was actually just reviewing that trade again. I really think they could have not included Cam Johnson in that trade. They ended up sending Crowder over to Milwaukee. They could have just put Crowder in, money wise, with all those picks and Mikel already in that deal. Can you imagine if they had been able to have Cam Johnson to play that three four role? So yeah, yeah I think it would have been what you're saying about Ishbia is right on. Um, Jay, how are we feeling about uh, Nick Nurse to Philly? Great. Absolutely Joel, great. Joel's going to be stoked about playing for 44 minutes a game. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Can, I, I, can I, I make one point on that? Go for it. Zach. The biggest thing I thought with, with Nick Nurse going there is they need a backup center ASAP, like a legitimate yeah. one that Nurse is, feels comfortable playing 15 minutes Dwight's a game. Available. <laughs> Taiwan. Dwight is I got available. it right. Taiwan. <laughs> and he can shoot threes now. Yeah. Um, 
supposedly. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I am. I imagine, like, th- like my my thumbs up on this is qualified by. I imagine Joel knows what he's getting into here, like that he knows what Nick Nurse's thing is. He has heard through the grapevine. He's seen it up close. They've played a lot. They're in the same division. He knows what the thing is, and he's signing up for it. Also, like, I feel like the guys that aren't going to buy into the Nick Nurse thing, a.k.a. James Harden, won't be here. And so, um, Nick, I, I'm, I, I love Nick Nurse. I actually did earlier uh, include him in the uh, my, my midseason benchies uh, about guys who, <laughs> the Hank Kramlin Award for guys who are like, <laughs> everyone thinks they're competent, but are actually crazy and not doing what they're supposed to. So um, I you love him now, I'm though. Like, <laughs> I, I I think he's a very good coach, but and he is minted title wise, uh, but also that team was stacked. So um, we'll see. I think it's going to be more about the roster, but he's obviously very he's obviously competent enough to win if they have the guys. And he's the exact opposite of Doc, <laughs> right? From a from an X's and O's adjustments 1, perspective, like he's yeah, he's going to be willing to tinker around. That. Back to James Harden for a second. Did you see uh, the Philly media grilling him on James Harden? They were like, so what do you think about James Harden on the team? And he gave basically like a like a non-answer. He was like, yeah, you know, like me and James, like, yeah, yeah, we're good. And the Philly media member was like, no, like, what do you think? Like, are you, like, do you think that like James Harden's going to be on the team next year? And Nick Nurse was like, oh, well, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're really, really excited to have James. I'm really, really excited to coach James. I don't like the food here, Josh. <laughs> Love the food. <laughs> Wait until I finish the question. <laughs> so, you know, that's going well. It's going great. Yeah, Nick Nurse is not like the most press conferencey guy, uh, uh, which will be interesting in Philly. Yeah, good luck but in also, Philly. I, I feel like Philly, like the real ones, and like the like the always sunny in Philadelphia kind of people will respect that. Like... That he's just like a gruff, not 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 flashy dude. So does this mean Doc Rivers is going to Toronto? Is that what we've decided? I, I absolutely love that. Like most of the chairs and musical chairs are taken up, and Doc doesn't have a chair yet. Oh like finally, <laughs> finally he won't get away with it. Go on, where did my chair go? <laughs> I was gonna say, is this no, the story my- of the meet? Like, are we at the end of the musical now? Or are we like yes, this is when he's got his head down and he's walking across the stage singing like a really slow, you know? <laughs> he's like, I still want to coach. <laughs> I still got it in me. <laughs> I still got this some Aaron Burr. <laughs> Aaron Burr. This is what Aaron Burr shoots <laughs> oh him. Oh my god! <laughs> 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 Sir, crossover, crossover. Not giving, not throwing away my. <laughs> oh gosh! Last thing to talk about is uh, Toronto, right? Or Houston? I, I don't know. We want to talk about the Houston Rockets. James Harden is a. Uh, you know, rumored to, I don't know why Houston would want him. Can I, I, th- I know I've said this before, but like, why? Well, it's like, he's it, like 34 years old and clearly out of shape. I just don't get it, man. I, I just wonder, they, they see James Harden so much as still one of their own that they see it as like, a ah, you know, let's give him a victory lap. You know, let's bring him back, get everybody to bring their, jer- their Harden jerseys back to the arena for a year or two of games, sell some more tickets. You know, we'll, we'll put him on like a friend, very friendly, 
a vet contract deal, you know, well, he'll see the writing on the wall. It'll be fun, you know. Uh, like the Thunder love Russ, and we're not bringing him back to OKC, like, you know what I mean? Like, I know it's not, I know Harden is still we're not. a productive player. I also think, I also bus. don't think Harden's going to take less than the max, man. Like, I think Harden wants oh, max money. Man. And That's why Houston, he wants like, to go to Houston. Yeah. What is the point of building money? the last three to four years? There's and, literally well, no point to what you've been trying to build. I, I'm trying to say, say, see if there's any like opt, like the most optimistic take on all this is that they're like, hey, let's bring Harden in. He'll maybe show these young guns that we have that have so much potential but so little discipline. Maybe they'll, maybe he'll have, show them how to play some offense because he's not going to show them how to play defense. And maybe if bringing, if we, you know, we get Udoka in here, who's like, you know, he's a stern guy, he's a hard nosed guy. It'll like knock some, some sense into these young guys. We bring in our, our former vet. Again, this is like thinking if they like what the, dude, Harden and discipline positive, like in the, the same sentence scares me. <laughs> no, He's, he has what, discipline with what, what is, strip man. clubs he goes to. If they get, get hardened, if this is a legitimate pursuit, those young guys are gone. Like if they yeah. do that, they're going to try to build a playoff team. And to give James credit, like he was an all-star level player last year. He's no longer a superstar, but all-star players are also worth max deals. Now, he's not going to be worth max money for the entire contract, but as of his play last year, he's still a max player. So it's not like crazy for him to get a max deal. I wouldn't want my team to give him a max deal, but he's going to get it from somebody. But if they bring him in, they're definitely going to make trades, and they have the assets to do it. They've already shown a willingness to trade this fourth pick. They've been talking about it like crazy. They have a ton of picks uh, into the future, and they have a ton of cap space. Harden is probably the best player they can get on the market, and then they have enough to go get one more guy. Like if Carl Anthony Towns pops, now that pairing would be terrible because they'd play no defense. But, you know, they can convince themselves, like, hey, we're going to get an eight seed. <laughs> Whatever. So, I don't know. They're going after Jalen, too, oh. right? Aren't they rumored to go after <laughs> Jalen Brown? Maybe. James I mean, Harden yeah. and Jalen Brown? <laughs> I just, yeah. I, I just, if you're trying to, like, I, I hear you, Zach and Chase. I think those are, those are some good points, right? Like, I talk about Harden like he's useless. He's not useless by any means. He's still a great offensive player. But if you're trying to build an actual contender even a playoff contender right we've also seen him in the playoffs year after year after year again i know that he had a couple of awesome performances against boston he also had four to five stinkers <laughs> in that same series yes so yeah. emphasis on a couple you know of a good perf- like he sh- he's right. like yeah i dropped yeah. 45 like i would cool. say he had three i i would say he had three great games like That's two fair. two all-time games one pretty good one but yeah, which is better like, than normal. Was though, bad, right? I mean, that's he better was than normal. Really bad, you like, know. The, the, and that's yeah. why I specifically said playoff team and not contender, because James Harden does no, not I make mean, you a contender, you know. But he is a floor raiser. He is a floor raiser. Mm-hmm. Like I think Without a that's doubt. something he has in common with our our dear our, our dearly departed friend <laughs> dearly Russell Westbrook. Um, it's like <laughs> no. <laughs> Because he's on his way to China. Because oh, no, he might as well be dead. Is that what you're saying? Um, <laughs> he might be right. I thought the Clippers no, were going to no. sign him to a max contract. Is that not happening? <laughs> they totally have a cap room, right? Houston can sign Russ, and they can get James Harden, and then together... <laughs> <laughs> Bring the band Let's back go. together. 
Oh my god. I mean, I do. I will say, like, they brought. They, oh gosh, all three of them. I'd, I'd watch that. I wonder how they sold Ime on the job. Like, did they tell Ime that this was going to be a continuation of their rebuild? Did they tell him, hey, we're going to try to become dude, a contender dude, they told, quickly? They told, like, I, they told I don't know. Ime man. They had some really hot assistants. Oh my gosh. I was going to say, they told Ime that they, that they would give him a job. No, that's what I was going to say. Is. I think Ime wasn't sure he was going to get another head coaching yeah, that's job fair, that yeah. soon. Um, which, yeah, I'm glad he's, I, I'm glad he's coaching think, again. Like, you, don't, you probably don't bring in Ime if you don't intend to go try to improve your roster significantly. So I think that's maybe, but do. I also see Ime. I think Ime could also be a culture builder. <laughs> I mean, I think that's an oh, ironic well, thing to say, <laughs> obviously, given what happened last year. But did the however, do we know that a culture builder? <laughs> yeah, you know, a culture, toxic, yeah. a toxic workplace <laughs> culture. Uh, no, he is still a good coach. Yeah. He is yeah, still sure, a yeah. good, he's still a good basketball coach, though. That, I, that, I, I, know, I believe in him. Like he's a locker room guy. Yeah. Yes, yes, that's what I should have said. A locker room culture outside of the locker room, a little more questionable. Like but, the hallways outside the know. locker room. Like the Donald oh Trump locker God. room talk. Oh like, my God. Oh. I will say, I think there's enough going on in Houston to attract his attention outside That's of true. the building. The strip clubs. That's why they're bringing Harden um, for Dudoka and Harden yeah. to hit the strip together. Dude, they're going to have some fun times. Can we trade John Morant there? Just like line it all up. <laughs> well, that's the perfect segue, Zach. Look at that. That actually takes us to our, our next bit of news here. Uh, it looks like the decision on dis on the discipline uh, for John ja Morant will be coming after the finals are over. So I'm going to read a, a quote from Adam Silver that he gave prior to Game One. He said, "Quote: In terms of the timing, we've uncovered a fair amount of additional information since I was asked about the situation. We probably could have brought it to a head now, but we made the decision, and I believe the Players Association agrees with us." that it would be unfair to these players and these teams in the middle of this series to announce the results of that investigation. I do think it's a little bit ironic that they're like, we're not going to talk about it right now. Okay. We're going to wait until after the finals, but let me just go on for five more minutes about how bad it is. Can I? Okay. A little it's teaser pretty bad. trailer. <laughs> little teaser trailer. Bad. Yeah. Can, can I just, I, I, I want to make an observation about this quote. Cause I was going over it again earlier, just before this about, Adam, hashtag words guy <laughs> about Adam. Yes. Hashtag words guy uh, here with the words take. I, it's interesting how Adam Silver having taken over this role uh, from, you know, David Stern for many, many years now, you start to get this sense of like, all right, you know, David Stern like brought the NBA out of being kind of like in contention with some of the other major sports to being like, clearly like the, the other dominant global sports besides, you know, soccer, uh, European football, global football, right? And it's this quote has a couple of nuggets in it that kind of tells me that he's uh, applied some of these David Stern-esque, like, I'm just going to take this, I'm going to put this thing in like a, like a, like, put it under my armpit and put him in a, you know, in a, what do they call Headlock? it? Uh, I can think of the word headlock. He's like, I'm just going to put this thing in a headlock and I'm just going to do this myself. And uh, the, the parts of the quote that stick out to me that tell me that. All right. So he's like, in terms of timing, we've uncovered a fair amount of additional information since I was asked about the situation right out of the gate. The fact that he says a fair amount 
he makes it, he basically makes it sound like we have a lot of information, AKA I, Adam Silver, have a lot of ammunition to make a decision, but he also like obscures it by saying like, oh, I'm, but I'm not going to tell you how ammunition? much. <laughs> we may want to use a different word. <laughs> hey, good one. He's like a fair amount of leverage in this situation to say, hey, I know a lot and I'm not telling you as if to say I'm in power. So he basically uses the first sentence of this quote to say, I'm in power. And the second sentence, right? He says, we probably could have brought it to a head now, but we made a decision also to say we could have done this, but we've done this. Basically, another way of saying I'm in control, I have power. And the next part of the sentence saying, and I believe the Players Association agrees with us, which says we could have talked to the Players Association, but we did not talk to the Players Association, but we're probably aligned, which also says I have power, I'm in control, and you know, listen to me, that it would be unfair to these. And then he does this whole like kind of massage it with the PR perspective, like, oh, you know, we're in the, this is in the the, the best interest of the players. Okay, we're looking out for the players here. And we so we're going to wait until afterwards to announce the results of that inv- investigation. So anyways, my point in all that is to say, like, all straight from the book of David Stern's How to Run the NBA uh, textbook, more or less, the, the the theoretical textbook that floats out there that exists. Adam Silver executed that perfect to a T to kind of like really keep control in, in his corner, controlling the narrative of like this whole situation because it's either A, bad enough that it's just really going to make like the league look bad that like, you know, reporters are going to say like, oh, why did they put Jaw on a pedestal if he sucks? But it's like, that's not right. That's not going to be the case. It's just is what people are going to say. Anyways, I think I think Adam Silver uh, was very tactical in saying the specific things he said in that quote. Here's where I don't think he's going to be like David Stern. David Stern suspends John Morant for the entire season. No question about it. I would be very surprised if it's more than 20 to 30 games, third of the season, fourth to a third of the season. Um that's just been Adam Silver's way. And I feel like he'll think that's a pretty strict punishment, even though he feels quote betrayed and all those things. Totally. Uh, totally. How many games did Miles I, Bridges get suspended for? 30? Oh, he got, well, he got, he got a certain number and then he got time served. Like two games and a $5 30. fine or something like that. I felt like it was nothing. I mean, that's what, that's what I mean. No, I know he was out the whole season, but that's partially because I don't think anyone re-signed him, right? He was a free agent, but I, I don't know. To your point, Zach, I would be shocked if it was more than 30 games, <laughs> just given... I know that... They, but at the same time, you know, Silver was pretty uh, gray when it came to what they've actually uncovered. So I hope there's not, like, more information beyond this that, that's even worse than what the public knows. That would be awful. Um, Stephen A. Smith brought up something that I actually thought was pretty interesting regarding the John Morant situation. Now, we know Stephen A. is hyperbolic and all he wants is to, you know, have the narrative focused on himself and, and all, those, all of those things. But the one thing I think he is really good at is cultivating sources. He's really good journalistically in that way. So when he says, like, I have sources and people who have told me such and such, I actually believe, I don't think he's just making it up. And one of the things he brought up is, like, I don't think we need to be concerned about John Morant and his situation with the league we need to be concerned with John Morant and like his life situation. And, and someone apparently brought up to him, like, will John Morant even be alive in the next five years? Because specifically of the people he hangs around, like that is the big issue is that he runs in apparently in some crowds that are 
just not good for his life and and you know his choice his decision making i and i thought i thought that was fascinating to hear um because we all know that it's the people that we spend time with and that we hang around that kind of determines who we are and he can ha- actually have every intention as i believe jaw really did when he made you know the the comments in the in the in the press interview after the first incident saying that he was sorry and he wanted to improve i believe those things i think he he is a good kid um but he needs to, he really needs to find a way to separate himself from these people, uh, who are dragging him down or could potentially drag him down, uh, if he wants to, to make serious changes. Well, and on the flip side of the Adam Silver thing, that is the other side of Adam Silver that made that to your point, Zach makes him different from David Stern, right? Like the, the kind of power narrative, like that stuff, ha- that stuff is always going to come out when you're making little, like a literal quote to the media about something. But, uh, you know, Adam Silver is not going to come down hard on Jaw the person or Jaw the player. Jaw's Jaw is his own worst enemy. You know, Adam's not going to demonize uh Jaw Morant in any way. Adam's a far more uh, progressive leader probably than, you know, for sure than David Stern was. And so, yeah, Jaw Jaw is the only person in Jaw's way. I'm going to echo all of those nice wholesome comments, but I'm also going to uh uh bring up a, a funny anecdote when it comes to um, David Stern versus Adam Silver. We like to say that David Stern was like this, this hardline dude who would suspend jaw for the whole season. But like Steven Jackson, <laughs> Steven Zach Jackson literally shot a gun outside of a, uh, outside of a club and got arrested for it and pled guilty to a crime for it and got seven games. <laughs> So let's not wow. be like, let's not be too crazy <laughs> with these David Stern pronouncements. <laughs> yeah. And that's so, fair. yeah, my, my statement, speaking of someone being, uh, speaking in hyperbole, that's probably me. Cause you know, you just, you remember David Stern being sort of tough or like wanting to appear tough, but in actuality, I didn't like go back and look. So that's a very good I think point. Part of, I think part of it is like Steve, I think they're hitting jaw this hard because he is, such a big star um, because he is so important to the future of the league. I think he's like the next guy to some extent. And so I think they're hitting him for that. They really, they actually want to turn him around. Uh, when it comes to Steven Jackson, I think they were like, these things are going to happen. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, we- <laughs> Steven's going to be Steven. <laughs> yeah. Steven gold, Steven. <laughs> well, let's, um, let's move on to our last piece of news for this week which is that there are rumors that the NBA's competition committee is discussing potential of in-game penalties for flops, not coffin flops, flops on the court <laughs> that would uh, that would result in technical foul free throws. So we thought it would be fun real quick in these last few minutes in this, seg- in this segment to talk about who are all... NBA or our NBA all flop team is and I want to go through each position who do we so for me point guard I feel like it's pretty easy but I want to hear your guys's uh rapid fire thoughts on this can we say it on three yeah 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 one two three that's pretty good. We should just cut that That's clip good. and send it to Trey and be like, we're your biggest fans. We love you. <laughs> Trey Young. Not just fast forward to the part of the podcast where we say that about you. 
And then we just do clips of him driving into the lane, throwing his head back or lurching into guys backwards as he's uh, flying into man. He, to me out of, it might be actually number one on the entire list, regardless of position. She's just flippity flopping all over the place. I, I thought of him as team captain, but I, I have another team captain. <laughs> Ooh, okay. All right. So we're in, you're, we're, we're unanimous on point guard, Jason. I will say this. I will say this. I think there's a difference between dudes who like make like unnatural movements to create contact and flopping, right? Like, I think there are dudes who, who like sell it and flop when there yeah. actually is in contact. And then there's like Joel, who, you you know, people could say what they want to say. If you said put him on, like, I'm not going to be against it. But he also just, like, creates contact in really unnatural, weird ways. Like Steph, too. Um, That's true. And I think with, jo- with Joel, yeah. oh, by the way, yes, plus one to Trey Young, I would say a very close, uh, almost walking in hand-in-hand second is just is Chris Paul. I mean, Chris Paul really, in the modern it's NBA era, has written the book for how point guards can like not only make do these unnatural body movements but actually like like actual literal throw your head back and fall over and slide and throw your heads hands up and look at the ref flopping um but i think what puts Embiid on that list is the fact that he is a uh, gargantuan human being and flops be like joel yeah Bro, let's let let's get to center. Let's get to center first. <laughs> we gotta go let's to shooting hold, guard first. All right, hold, we're going shooting guard over. next. Who do we uh, who do we have at, oh, uh, at shooting guard? Mention for point guard, who I actually almost thought about putting over Trey, but I dislike Trey so much that Trey wanted out. Was <laughs> Kyle Lowry? That dude. Ooh, yeah. yeah, yeah. As for just like he flopping, like faking getting hit and stuff. He's well, he's pretty with a booty like bad. that to land on. Man, you get to flop every time. <laughs> Baby got back. You know I'm landing on that thing what? every time. It's a safe landing. I'm going to flop, man. So I have a guy I'm slotting in a shooting guard who I'm, I'm just not sure what position we put him at, is, which is Luca. Um, I'm putting Luca. Ooh, in yeah, here. that's a good one. Um, Luca's tough yeah, for me because, like, he f- certainly flops, but, like, if we need to, we just, he belongs on the uh, NBA all complain whining team. Oh like my, uh, yeah, he might, yeah, yeah, he might be the he's probably, he might be the, captain. He's probably, he's probably the captain. Yeah. That dude, yeah. that dude just chirps. I mean, we talk about right, we we talk about Draymond all day for that, right? But Luca just complains at like every other play that he uh, has a shot attempt. He's just barking at the. Oh ref. my gosh, it's horrible. I just realized I made a I made a huge mistake. <laughs> How is Marcus Smart not oh. the point guard? Or oh. I was wondering how you chose Luca over Marcus. What am I thinking? Yeah, is Marcus a point guard or a shooting guard? I'm gonna put him at shooting guard, guard, and I'm gonna put Luca at small forward for me. Your Honor, okay, uh, right. Jason Lamprecht, Your Honor would like to strike that from the record and uh, amend his. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying Absolutely. to think what what other shooting guard would even be in the in the mix. I'll tell you right now, my shooting guard, James Harden. <laughs> Harden, no. dude. Yeah, I mean, James yeah. Harden. Yeah, again. Yeah. Like, at first, uh, he's another one I thought of as like maybe captain of the team, but then I realized no, no, because half of it is what Jason was saying. You have to differentiate. He does a lot of the draw contact and then kind of flail, but he also flops a lot. So I have him. At, I have him as my shooting guard. Oh, and real quick, honorable mention back in the point guard slot, Steph Curry. Man, the fact that Steph Curry has like completely changed NBA history with the new culture around shooting threes. Like I think he's uh, it hasn't been as bad. No one in does the land seasons. on his feet oh, and slide on your thing more. Yes, yes, he's or in flailing on the out. Uh-huh. Yeah, yep. The Reggie Miller special. 
Small forward, okay. who you guys got? Wait, I need to hear who Patrick and Chase would choose between uh, Mark Smart and James Harden. I would. I would honestly, choose- this is going to surprise. This is going to surprise some. I may. I actually would probably go with Marcus Smart, just because Harden is doing it specifically to draw fouls. I. I, I strongly, strongly dislike the way that he does it. But Smart, it feels like he just. He just like does it just for the sake of doing it. Like he's just like well, Smart, constantly. Yeah, like, he's he's the king of the pure flop. Like the pure yes, yes. sell. Mark, it. Marcus like, yeah. Marcus Smart will will lean into it harder because he's not as good at basketball as some of these other guys on <laughs> offense. Like straight up, he knows he can't. He knows he doesn't You're have right. the offensive talent to be like, oh yeah, you know what? That was a foul. He probably would have made that bucket because refs are, are aren't going to be like that. They're going to be like, no, he he probably wasn't going to make that bucket because he's not as good of a shooter as these other guys are. It's because he's wicked smart. <laughs> Time out. All right, uh, small forward. I'll, let me go first on small forward. All right, I have a three guard lineup, and I wanted to make Jason happy. <laughs> Marcus Smart, I actually put at small forward because uh, okay. he's nice. big enough okay. for him to guard some of those bigger guys. So I Love put it. him at, at small forward. He Love has it. to be on the top five. He is absolutely. He he and Trey and my number one captain are like the worst in the league. I think. I have a little bit of a controversial take on uh, on small forward. I'm not sure if this guy would be a small forward or power forward, but LeBron James, he's got to be in there, man. He has to. Yep, hundred percent, hundred percent. If it's if it's current active players only, we're talking about it's LeBron James. I mean, he's on every list. Uh, he may not be up there with like maybe some of the most egregious ones of all time, but in terms of consistency and flopping, that's him. So. So uh, I would agree with you in like his Lakers tenure. But if we're talking actual all time back in his heat days, when flopping was becoming a thing, he was maybe the worst in the entire league. Yeah. Like he would bad. do the, a guy would swipe an <laughs> arm and he wouldn't even get hit and he'd fake it. Dude, remember the, the remember the Bosch, the slow-mo where he didn't the even Bosch get hit, but he best. like, he goes, <laughs> dude, how about the Nas, how about the Nazi Muhammad incident? Do you remember that? When like, Nazi like kind of like uh, uh, he like he like pushed him and LeBron acted like it was Thor <laughs> broke his back. Him, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, dude. Dude, remember so when uh, Meta World Peace just elbowed Harden right in the face? <laughs> remember celebrating? when? Meta- yeah! <laughs> flop, <laughs> concussion, flop. What? Didn't you do that to like a like a ref too? Where he turned around and just went thwack. I think Bynum did it to uh, JJ Barea too, didn't he? Like full yeah. on. Just... He did a different. Dude, that one was kind brutal. of it, but yeah. Jason's yeah. son, Andrew Bynum. <laughs> Who else do we have a go for? Uh, I mean, is Draymond a power forward or a small forward? Because he's on my list as well. He's probably he's definitely like either a four or a five. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I put him at power forward. Honorable, I don't know who else I'd have it. Honorable Tatum mention uh, Manu Ginobili. We're talking about active players, Chase. I players. know, I know, I know, I know, I know. But I wanted I mean, to... The Manu is dead, dude. <laughs> Rest in peace, dude. Wait, what? That dude, that dude just like... R.I.P. that bat, that, that bat that Manu took out with his hand. You know what I'm saying? Remember that? Dude, that was so sick. Speaking of the um, Spurs, like, I feel like we should do like a little... Uh, just have a moment where we say like... Where Sports Illustrated says like... The, it's like the next issue... I feel like the next, like I feel like Victor. I don't even know that he's a flopper, but I feel like it's it's he's going <laughs> to be a flopper. Like he's going to have it in his arsenal at some point. You're probably right. That's I'll be European prejudice. I hear. 
No, he's just so thin. He's so thin. He's so thin. And he's so French. You know what I mean? Protect he's his body. So he's French. actually going to get thrown into the stands when someone hits him yeah. a tiny bit. Yeah. Like Cody Zeller on that uh, Jokic drive the other night, dude. Did you guys catch that when Jokic just barreled him? Whoa! Oh, that was so good. So, I'm, so okay good. Right, Brown, powerful. I'm okay with Brown at the three. Yeah. yeah, I don't know who else I'd put at the three, honestly. I like my three guard lineup. I think they all got to be right, on there. Who's that? Who but do we have I, four? I did consider Braun for the four, but I'm giving him a little credit that he's gotten better as he's aged. And so it's not a, he's not currently the worst flopper. Four was hard because I don't, I don't know how much of a flopper Draymond is. He's an exaggerator and a yeller and that kind of stuff. So he could be on there. I wanted to put him on there, but I think in the end I got to go Tatum because Tatum is the best in the league at a guy puts their hand on his back, he feels it, and just goes flying. He, he draws so many fouls that way. It's a total flop. So I got to go Tatum. It's pretty good. It's a pretty good one. All right. Yeah. Center? I'm going to ditto that. Let's round out this lineup, guys. Who do we have at center? Jason already uh, alluded to Joel. Captain of the team. Definite, the worst flopper in the league, Joel Embiid. <laughs> Hands down, without question, no one flops more than that guy. No one flops harder than that guy. Dude weighs 280 pounds and, like, barely gets touched and will fly, will fall down. <laughs> it's un- He does what Tatum does. I think he's by far the captain of the flop team. That guy is just spawn. Because no one could move him except maybe, like, yeah. Jokic or Steven Adams. There's no one big enough in the whole league. Dude, especially and just, and on like flat. some of the like almost innocuous plays where he's just setting a screen, right? Like it isn't even like that. It's like yeah. where he's taking a charge. It's he when he's running through by De'Aaron Fox, who weighs De'Aaron Fox is running wet. through a screen by Jose Alvarado. <laughs> <laughs> and and the first Whoa. thing you see Joel Embiid do is his chin just goes pa, and then he just like falls backwards as if as if it were a freight train. Matrix. On screens, yes. Okay, I will give, I will allow this to <laughs> Here happen. Here comes Jason. <laughs> and rebuttal. I also voted for him for MVP, so it's fine. Yeah, but, but, yeah, I think he does it out of necessity. As having watched, uh, been raised on Shaq's prime, um, if you are a big, gigantic, strong guy and you don't exaggerate contact, you will never get calls, ever. And so you can either play with the largest amount of contact in the league and never get uh, fouls called and have like basically like a higher level di- of difficulty of everyone, or you exaggerate the effect of the contact on you. And I think Joel figured out that he had to do it. So out of necessity, we'll get Dang this. it, that's a good point. Fair enough. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Agree, disagree. Just kidding. You're right. No, I think he's um, actually like gotten a little too addicted to it, honestly. I wish he would do less of it. He's like the kid is like, oh, well, this, this works. A, like, I, I can do this, this now. They're actually <laughs> blowing the whistle now. I'm gonna keep doing this. It's it's like a tactic now. It's a strategic card in his uh, in his hand. It's a little taste of the glory, you know. See what it tastes like. Uh, all right, Secret let's uh, let's move on to our next segment. We want to talk for just a few minutes about uh, the NBA Finals that are going on right now. I'm not sure if everyone's aware that that uh, that those are happening. Game one wrapped up Thursday night. We are recording this on uh, on Sunday morning, so Game Two will be taking place. Is it this afternoon or this evening? Evening. Is it an afternoon game? Evening. Like so, 
Uh, thoughts, guys, from from game one. Obviously, a lot of podcasts out there have uh, have already debriefed pretty extensively on game one, but would love to hear your guys' thoughts on uh, just a few takeaways and how you see the rest of the series playing out. Aaron Gordon's too big, man. Aaron Gordon is too big, too good, unfortunately. Um, I think the, the Jokic size was the, a thing that made us all or kind of drew all of our attention going into this matchup. But like Aaron Gordon would also be like the biggest, strongest guy if he was on the heat. Um, Dude, it's like his biggest Bam. Essentially the same size as Bam. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's he a had problem. Like three or four, like he's like three or four massive dunks in the first quarter, like yeah. very early on. Well, I'm talking defensively too, though. I think Aaron Gordon appreciation post. I, there was so much, there was so yeah. much focus on, ah, Jimmy didn't bring it. Jimmy didn't bring it tonight. And, and I kept going back to man, there's a reason why he didn't bring it tonight. Yeah. And that's the fact that he's got a dude guarding him. Who's, probably got him by what like at least three four inches and probably 30 to 40 pounds i mean aaron gordon is massive and long but i mean yeah and, and crazy so to, athletics so to, yeah so to combine that kind of front court size like to have elite front court size and also be a an like a super elite shooting team it's like what 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 what, what's supposed to happen here? And that's um, not even taking into account Michael Porter Jr., who's bigger totally. than Aaron Gordon is, at least taller. Taller, Maybe not yeah, as strong. Longer. Yeah. So, like, it's your your three trying to go. When Jimmy's playing the four, Bam's playing the five most of the time, who do you have, Duncan Robinson or Max Struess trying to guard Michael Porter? He can shoot over him. As long as he's well, not taking stupid shots. Too, I mean, like, Jimmy attacks mismatches, right? And there were a couple times where he's like, let me switch on to MPJ, because obviously MPJ has a reputation for being... Uh, not exactly the stoutest defender in the league, but I actually think he's gotten way, way better the last couple of years. He was moving his feet really well in game one. He had a couple like incredible weak side blocks just coming over to help. And to your point, Zach, yeah, I mean, the dude is massive. He's, he's like 6'10". Yeah. He's 6'10". He's looking spry. He, yeah. It's, I don't know, man. It was... Denver Which is why weeks. I complain that he doesn't get to the basket enough. He needs to stop settling for those stupid long no, twos M- and stuff. MPJ has never lacked the tools. Like, I think he's one of those guys, him and Aaron Gordon both, honestly, are like, like elite, elite tools, guys who were like top, top, top picks coming out of high school um, and just haven't been kind of uh, either placed in the right position to use those tools or haven't been properly motivated. And like, honestly, when you're playing in the finals, everybody's motivated. Like, that's just how it works. There was a huge focus, obviously, on Miami's offense and their struggles. I think Caleb Martin and Max Struess were like one for 17 combined. Duncan Robinson was one for seven. I mean, they were awful. Their role players were awful. Jimmy was not, you know, not like he normally is. I do think he's hammered, ha- hampered, hammered. I think he's hampered a little bit by his uh, his ankle. Um, but I think hopefully uh, he was not hammered coming into that game. Hopefully he was not hammered Sloshed, in the game. Drunk, yeah, not great. All those IPAs and you know microbreweries up in Denver. Um, <laughs> but I will say that uh, I just think Miami only gave up 104 points to Denver, and watching the game, it just felt like Denver was completely in control the entire time. So giving up 104, you'll take that every day of the week. My concern is like Denver's offense wasn't even as good as it could have been. Um, which if I'm Miami is scary because your guys are going to have to be on the entire game. You're obviously playing in the altitude, which is tough. I just, I hope that it goes six games. I just, 
And I don't, you know, want to jinx anything either way, but it just doesn't feel like Miami has the juice to get this done. I imagine we'll see something better from Miami today um, uh, than, than what we had in game one. They're just coming off of a game seven, just getting to the altitude. I, I, I think if Miami doesn't win tonight, though, um, then we're not going to see a long series. Denver played outstanding defense in game one. And I think the stat that shows that the most is the fact that the Heat only shot two free throws. That's like Jimmy Butler's bread and butter. That's where he gets going. That's where he scores like half of his points until the playoffs when he shoots threes out of nowhere, like say he's Steph Curry or something. But um, we, we all know that Denver's calling card is not their defense. I think they have shown in these playoffs that they were underrated. Jokic, of course, is not the greatest rim protector, but he is really good one-on-one and in that high post, and he's really good with his vision, telling guys where to go and where they should be. But I don't think they can play the same level of defense every game in the series. So Miami will have their chance to win. I would be surprised if it goes longer than five. Uh, I give Jimmy one out of respect. I think I said that in the text thread or last week or something. I give Jimmy one out of respect, uh, but Denver's going to probably try to win it at home. In game five Denver also hasn't I know that the, the obviously the teams have completely changed and there's different players on both sides but Denver hasn't lost to Miami since like at home in Denver since like 2017 or something Jokic I there was some stat going around Twitter or some video coming uh, going around Twitter where it was like Jokic came off the bench in that game and Hassan Whiteside was the starting center for the heat so um I mean Denver's their uh their home advantage is just something else um, when you combine the altitude with, you know, just the way that those guys play there. So I don't know. I, I hope we can get this to, like I said, to uh, five or six games. Um, but it just feels like Denver's just clicking on all cylinders right now. And I, I don't know, man, Miami just doesn't have the depth either. Their, their big guy rotation is so weak. <laughs> Kevin Love didn't even see the floor in game one. Cody Zeller is getting thrown around like a rag doll into the 10th row by Jokic. Yeah. And then Bam just doesn't have the size, man, to cover him yeah. and do anything on offense. So it's their front court is so weak, and they're really hurting for Tyler Hero right now to have that other creator and shooter. Man, he'd make a big difference, I think, especially in a series like this where they need three point shooters to win. Um, and if your answer is Cody Zeller to Jokic, like good luck, <laughs> bring out the brooms. But yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to count them out. Anyone who's counted out the heat in the playoffs has kind of felt it. And I, I wouldn't say I've counted them out, but I, you know, I picked Boston in the last series and, and I was wrong. Like the heat just keep getting things done. Uh, and it, and it's been amazing to watch. So I think it's really cool for Jimmy's legacy, even if they, he doesn't win this championship, uh, just to show who he is again, going to the finals, bringing a sort of lackluster team overall to the finals. Like he did. It, I don't think it takes anything away from him. I think he ran up into the, the, the juggernaut in these playoffs who maybe we didn't realize was a juggernaut or who didn't get enough coverage or whatever it was, but they've, they've shown themselves to be a juggernaut. So, Well, and uh, rumor has it that, uh, that Tyler Hero will be back for game three, at least, they're, at least they're targeting for that. So it'll be interesting to see if he does reach that. that, that uh, if that even makes much of a difference with the front court issues that we just talked about. Should we head into What they our... really need to try... Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, one last thing. What they really need to try is to... Um, Force Jokic to just be a scorer. I think that's been the most successful uh, defensive strategy that people have had this year is just basically let him eat. Let him eat, don't let him pass. 
I saw some stat. There's something like, you know, 30, whatever, and two when he has 10 or more assists and 14 and 17 when he has less than 10 assists. Uh, it's like a mediocre team. And that includes the games where he scores 50 and 40 and all these things. So I think if they can just put some of their better defenders on these other guys, let Jokic just score. It's hard to do because whoever's guarding him, Bam or Zeller, they're going to look terrible. It's going to look bad. He's going to be super efficient at the rim. And people are going to be like, why aren't you stopping him? Why aren't you doubling him? But I think it's the most effective strategy you have. That zone isn't going to work against such a good shooting team. Well, it's like, it's math. Like, make him count by two. Like, <laughs> like if you have to. If they're, if they're going to score anyway, like, yeah. Um, I think their biggest best strategy is to, and I've been, I feel like I've been on this corner for a while. Their biggest strategy is they need to go back in time with a time machine about eight years and go back and make stop Kevin Love from losing weight. Because, like, I feel like thick Kevin Love, <laughs> thick oh, Kevin Love was not, he was not a good defender, but, like, he would at least be a little bit of, like, a fire hydrant for Jokic to go through. Well, yeah, and his biggest thing was that he was always kind of slow, but Jokic totally. isn't fast. So. Totally, yeah. And he was a great rebounder. Uh, too, which is huge against Jokic because you got to stop Jokic from getting off his rebounds and and you got to like put some pressure on him on the other end. Um, thin Kevin Love, like good looking Kevin Love, is not the guy for this series. Unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> we need fresh out of Oregon Kevin Love, not GQ Kevin Love. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, go Heat. Let's make this a long series. Yep. Uh, Zach, let's 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 mud pie the people. A Bring bit, us home, shall we? All right, so I had a little bit of a tough time finding one this time, and I, I thought about digging into the uh, annals of history to um, pull back some old uh, Nick Wright quotes about Jokic <laughs> and how he was the worst MVP in 35 years and was overrated, wasn't a superstar. The one thing I'm glad about, even though I'm not a real Denver uh, Nuggets fan and the fans obviously made me mad. I bring that up on basically every podcast now. The Bones Island thing. <laughs> That's the best mud pie we've had, Jay. Yep. Um, Preach. But I am happy for Jokic being able to show who he is, uh, getting his flowers, people finally recognizing uh, that he's, if not the best, you know, one of the top three players in the league or whatever. Uh, but then I was talking to my dad, talking basketball with Papa Jeff, and... Um, he brought up something that I hadn't noticed. Maybe you guys have. A couple of days ago, our old friend, Mr. Scotty Pippen, was running his mouth again. I saw a headline. This is what he said. This is what he said. I've seen Michael Jordan play before I came to the Bulls. You guys have to see him play. He was a horrible player, horrible to play with. It was all one-on-one, shooting bad shots. All of a sudden, we became a team. We started winning. That's referring to himself joining the team. Everybody forgot who he was. He was a player who was really not at the top of his category. It was scoring. Ever since, he's always kind of, you know, made these little uh, jabs at Jordan since they stopped playing. But since the last dance, it's just been repetitive and it's been petty. And honestly, it's flat out wrong. And he's doing it to the guy who made his career. Now, don't get me wrong. Scottie Pippen was a great player. But he is now considered because of the championships and what he did with Jordan as maybe a top 30, top 35 all time. If that guy doesn't have Jordan, 
he's like, what do you think? I don't know, a Paul George, like a really good all-star player, maybe probably not a Hall of Famer. Wasn't ever able to carry a team by himself. Phil Jackson, when Jordan was playing baseball in those two years, they were able to go to the Eastern Conference semis. But uh, Scottie Pippen was pouting because Phil Jackson wouldn't give him the ball at the end of the game. (laughs) He wasn't good enough to be that 1A star, you know? And for him to say that, like, Jordan was just scoring, like, yeah, the the only years he wasn't playing with you, he was a rookie. But let me just... just Point out some stats. Three years before Jordan's drafted, the Bulls won 34, 28, 27 games. As a rookie, they win 11 more games with him. He averages 28 points, and they go to the the playoffs for the first time uh, in three years. In those playoffs, Jordan averaged as a rookie. As a rookie in the playoffs, granted they lost 29 points. The next year, the Bulls lost more games, or they went back down. But Jordan only played 18 games that year. Oh, yeah. Uh, so they only won 30 games. But they still made the playoffs somehow, only winning 30 games. Jordan in those playoffs, even pl- that whole year being injured, 43.7 points per game. <laughs> they lose to the That's Celtics. That's the Celtics I series, think- <laughs> yeah. That's the God disguises Michael Jordan series. The next year... So they had just they just won uh, only thirty games, then they win forty. So another ten point ten game increase in wins. This is all without Scottie Pippen. Like, yeah, he was a rookie. Yeah, he shot a lot. He had to learn how to make his teammates better. I mean, he still averaged like six assists a game as a shooting guard or whatever. And then Scottie comes, and Scottie's right about like we became a team, and yeah, absolutely, that's part of growing together. Growing up, maturing as a basketball player, Phil Jackson comes in, replaces Doug Collins, and they we know what happens after that. Anyway, I just I I went back and looked at the stats. I knew that what he was saying was crazy, but I wanted to see it with my own eyes. And it's just like this guy, you got to stop. As Michael Jordan said himself, "Stop it, get help." (laughs) (laughs) So Scotty Pippen, you get my mud pie. You're a great player, but. Don't, uh, what's it? Don't bite the hand that feeds you, man. Oh, Michael Jordan man. fed you. Yeah. Preach, dude. Preach. Amen. Oh, man. Scotty, I got, I ha- I know who Scotty would have been without Michael. It's Andre Godal. <laughs> I feel like, like maybe like a little bit better, but like Andre pre Warriors was like a pretty decent scorer. Um, yeah. He was an all-star. An all-star. Yeah. 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 Well, without Jordan, I mean, if we actually say, like, without Jordan at all, like, Iguodala is probably, like, his ceiling. Yeah. Now, with with Jordan by himself, like, he got bet. Like, he was able to take a team to the playoffs with Phil Jackson, totally. obviously. But yeah. that's be- part, partly because he played with Jordan. He learned how to play. He learned how to have some of that competitive fire. Though, as my dad says, he was always a powder, and now he's pouting now still. But <laughs> Once a powder, I always love- a powder. I love that the apple does not fall far from the tree when it comes to, like, you guys kind of like paying attention to these dumb quotes by like ESPN guys or like old players and stuff like that. Like you guys, you guys are locked in on this game. I appreciate it. I, and, I lo- yeah. and I love that we uh, like someone who uh, ha- re- it relatively to a certain extent has not been very much a part of the public NBA narrative, Nick Wright. I love that we just dragged him in just right at the end of the season here just to 
just to slap him around <laughs> in the face just a little bit. I mean, he does his show with uh, Chris Broussard still. Right. No one watches it. No one watches exactly. I don't know. I don't know who watches it. But. <laughs> oh. I, I actually, go viral. when I was looking into this, I, I saw a clip of him talking about Jokic, and he's just talking about him like anyone else does. Like, oh, yeah, this is the way you like try to stop him, but he's just great and whatever. Like, dude, change your narrative pretty quick there, you know. That was amazing. And I want to be clear, Mr. Nick Wright, I would have given you a mud pie back in 2021 when you said it. It's not just <laughs> now in have. hindsight, 2020. <laughs> yes, let's be clear. He's always been wrong. <laughs> not just as of late. I will say I will say that I did set the precedent, I think, last week or whenever it was, that you are allowed to give mud pies uh, for, for like past behavior. Like, yeah. <laughs> for the mud pie for all the Lakers doubters. Throughout the there's, there's a there's so. no statute of limitations. No, no, definitely not. So in three years, when we're still doing the podcast, we can go back to this year and all the episodes <laughs> and pull yeah. old receipts. Check the receipts. Like, Absolutely. I, my mud pie this week is Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see where you were wrong again. Well, I'm no, I'm gonna. Have he was late. He was 40 oh, minutes no. late tonight. Yeah. <laughs> in in May 2023. Yeah, and in, in 20 in, in 2026, Dan's gonna be like, guys, I was never late, and we're gonna be like. <laughs> Dan, yes, you were. Sit down. Uh, Sitting on the toilet, man. Zach, that was great. It's just uh, for farts. Way to way to pull way to pull a bunch of those receipts to say, hey, Scotty, guess what? Michael Jordan was already very good before you got to the team, and you helped, but not as much as you think you did. Yeah, and he and he yeah. did. Like Scotty Pippen was a really good player, and exactly what Jordan needed. Yeah, yes. he was a good ball handler. He was a great defender. Perfect. Robin, but he was Robin. Yeah. And it's, also, it's fine to be Robin. Also, it's look, fine. Yes. In the NBA. Also, nobody, yes. Yes. Nobody has ever won alone. Nobody's ever won alone. Yeah. We need to get rid of this. Nobody's ever won yeah. alone without uh, without all time elite help, whether it's another superstar or just a elite supporting cast. Like get, we gotta get rid of this. It's and it's good. it's also not it's not a shot on Scotty to say Jordan is the greatest player ever. Yeah. You know, like I know that Last Dance showed a, a couple of scenes that didn't look great for him or whatever, but come on, man. It's fine. I mean, most of our other goats like won their titles with like top 10, top 15 all time guys next to them, or at least a whole lot of mm-hmm. them. Right. And so Michael winning with like a top 35 guy um, and the best coach ever um, is impressive. Yeah. 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 The, tri- <laughs> the triangle helped. Real quick, yeah. my my parting words before I got to jump off right now. I'm ex- even though I'm not necessarily a Nuggets fan, not necessarily. I'm just not a Nuggets fan. Uh, yeah. I'm excited to see the championship for sure go to someone, go to a team that does not live in either the state of California or the state of Texas. Y'all hear that stat from the past or week? Florida. Or Florida, like from the past. Uh, what is it like 15 years? The the NBA championship has only come from one of those three states. So, well, besides besides Ohio, Canada, that's true. One. Canada, in Canada, yeah, that's true. The vast but majority yeah, of them has, we, have come from Texas or 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 uh, or California. That's true. We got Miami and Toronto, of course. Toronto yeah. always feels like a little bit of an asterisk, but hey, man, Kawhi, Kawhi Look, showed up and he got that team a chip. It, it, what, what are you supposed to say? Is California supposed to just be less awesome because it makes it harder for everybody <laughs> yes, else? Yes, Jason. Like, yes. <laughs> All right, my dudes. Uh, I got to bounce. Good stuff, y'all. All, All right, right guys. guys. Have a good See night. See you later. Good exactly. show. Peace. Peace.